This is StudioCast Presents. Move Like You're Stolen by Writer Girl 8, Wedding Number 1. There are three things that Lydia hates more than all other things in the world. Peter Hill, the gum commercial that always makes her cry, and wearing clothes that other people have picked out for her. In this case, the offender is a teal dress that Kira had decided would look excellent draped over the bodies of all 11 of her bridesmaids. Lydia calls bullshit. There is no possible way a dress can flatter every single body, and she is standing next to an array of them, all fluttering around the room, trying to make themselves as useful as possible. Lydia, for her part, has six bobby pins between her teeth and is focusing hard on arranging the silky strands of Kira's hair into a similar updo to the one Lydia had worn for their senior prom. Kira is antsy in her chair, but in an excited way, with cheeks that would be pinkened even without the blush that her college roommate has applied to them. She keeps bouncing, trying to release some of the energy that is throwing through her body, and it would be cute if it weren't impeding Lydia's progress in creating an updo so beautiful Michelangelo would weep. Keep still, or I'll have Malia come over here and hold you down, threatens Lydia, her voice hard even though her eyes are twinkling. Kira stops fighting instantly, biting her lower lip to show how contrite she is. Lydia rolls her eyes at her, but squeezes Kira's robe-covered shoulder to let her know that it's okay. Where exactly is Malia? she asks, frowning. Last time I saw her, Ellie was trying to stop her from turning her bridesmaid's dress into a romper. Ellie was successful, says Jane. Slapping Kira's hand away as she goes to rub her eye. But then we had a mascara tragedy, so... Kira's mouth opens, and Jane raises a hand to stop her. Don't worry, I took care of it. Look, there's Malia now. She is stomping into the room, awkward in the dress that tangles around her ankles. When she notices the three of them staring at her, she spits some hair out of her mouth and crinkles her nose. Can I at least shorten it? No, they all say simultaneously. Fine. Sighs Malia, plucking herself down into the chair next to Kira. So, Scott's here. Kira nods. He's supposed to be. Oh, Malia says, frowning. I wasn't sure. Isn't that weird? No, it's not weird, Kira says. We've been through so much together. It's only right that he should be at my wedding. Plus, adds Lydia, you two had what could only be considered the most amicable breakup in the history of breakups. Exactly says Kira. So don't worry about it. Malia pauses for a moment. Then she looks sideways at Kira. You know that Styles is here too, right? There is no reason as to why Kira's eyes should flicker nervously up to Lydia's face. She frowns at Kira, but the bride just smiles innocently and directs her gaze back towards Malia. Of course I do. He RSVP'd yes. Just checking, Malia says, shrugging until her body is slumped over in her seat. She sighs contently and hunkers down a bit more to watch Lydia finish up Kira's hair. Lydia, for her part, hopes that Malia can't see the tension in her body, because Stiles is here, in this building, and she hasn't seen Stiles since Christmas of junior year, the last time Scott had made any sort of an attempt to put the pack back together. At that point, it was too late. They had all fallen apart. You guys should all hang out together during the reception, Kira says. It'll be a good opportunity to catch up. She's looking at Lydia again. Maybe Kira is actually the one who always tried too hard to keep the pack together, 
Or maybe Lydia just never should have gotten drunk on Long Island iced teas last year and confessed that she's really never felt about anyone the way she used to feel about Styles. Maybe this is her fault. It'll be great to see Scott again, she says, neatly sidestepping Kira's pointed comment. I haven't seen him since, well, maybe before grad school. They do text occasionally, but it's mostly polite catch-up messages and the occasional supernatural-based update. She can sometimes hear Styles' sense of humor in the way Scott phrases a text message, and it always makes Lydia drop her phone to the side and not look at it for a good 30 minutes. The problem with technology is that it would be far too easy to send out a one-word message and unscab a wound that is healed reasonably nicely. The good thing is that Lydia has spent the last three years resisting that urge. The bad news is that it seems Kira is trying to play matchmaker despite Lydia's careful control of herself. Well, Lydia isn't going to be matchmade at all. She and Styles have known each other since they were in third grade. If they were going to get together, they would have done it already. They don't need to be shoved into a relationship by a kitsune who has an alarmingly good grasp on relationships and arguably perfect hair. You're ready, she says, sliding one last bobby pin into Kira's hair. If this thing collapses at any point during your wedding, I would blame the supernatural world because it sure as hell won't be my fault. Thank you, Kira says, laying a hand on Lydia's hand, perched lightly on her shoulder. It looks great. It'll look even better with your headpiece, Lydia tells her. Half of it will be covered, points out Malia. She freezes at the looks on their faces. Oh, I'm sorry. You're having a moment. Go on. Sorry. Lydia laughs through her nose, offering Malia a small smile before heading back out of the room to put on her shoes. All they have to do is get Kira into her dress and down the aisle, and then Lydia can smile through the reception and get out of this dress that she never would have picked out for herself. She can go home and ignore the fact that she had broken up with her plus one exactly two weeks before this wedding, just because she had no reason to be with him except for said wedding. And she can ignore the fact that she had spent the night with a group of people that used to mean everything to her and now, somehow, don't exist in her life anymore. Seeing Styles and Scott again feels like a page from a storybook. As Lydia walks down the aisle, her steps perfectly in time to the music, she can't help but search for them. She finds them a little too near to the front, both looking thoroughly uncomfortable in their fancy clothes. At 24, they both could have grown beards by now, but today they are clean-shaven, and they look like the two boys that Leah had gone to high school with, not the men whose pictures she occasionally sees on Facebook. Scott grins at her as soon as he sees her, the smile lopsided and adorable, but Styles is already slumped over with his head ducked and is fiddling with his phone, his knee bouncing up and down. He doesn't notice Lydia until she has already reached the end of the aisle. When he looks up, his eyes land on her almost immediately. He scrambles up, straightening quickly, and his mouth pops open at the sight of her. She realizes that she probably looks more like a ghost than anything else to him, and it's this realization that makes her offer him a small smile. He responds with a tiny wave, his chin tilting inwards as he smiles in surprise at her. Satisfied, Lydia gives him a curt nod and turns to the aisle to see Kira walking towards her husband-to-be, absolutely glowing with excitement. She pretends not to think about Styles as the two of them say their vows. Thinking about him would mean that he affects her, and Lydia would rather ignore him for the rest of her life than admit that he could still have the power to break her. After, she walks back up the aisle and can feel his eyes on her all the way to the door. I never actually liked the dancing. The words are said with such casual disdain that Lydia thinks she would know it was Styles even if they had been said in another man's voice. 
She leans back against her wall and turns her head to the right so that she can give him a narrow-eyed look. Then why did you force me to dance with you so many times? He snorts. What? What times? The winter formal, senior prom, that time when it was raining and you said, Hey, Lydia, it's just like the notebook. I don't even know why you've seen the notebook. Styles pauses. Uh, I haven't seen the notebook. Oh, please. She scoffs. Go tell that to someone who will believe it. Styles pretends to scout the room for a victim. Not Scott, he mutters to himself. He was with me when I watched it. Despite herself, Lydia laughs. So, how have you two been? Oh, you know, buried under 80 individual piles of law books and biology books, respectively. Can you see the floor in your apartment? Nah, says Styles, scuffing his foot across the floor. But that's just because we've kind of covered it with clothes, pizza boxes, and beer bottles. Oh, some things never change, do they? Right? Styles agrees, loosening his tie slightly. You'd expect us to have gotten over pizza by now, but we still keep coming back for it. Every freaking time. Lydia shakes her head, smashing her up to against the wall as she does so. For a few moments, they sit in an uncomfortable silence, during which Lydia wonders if Styles is her pizza, and then wonders if Styles is wondering where he can get pizza, despite the fact that they had just consumed a steak dinner that had personally rocked Lydia's world. Then, randomly, Styles pipes up. God, weddings stress me out. When Lydia chuckles, the action is forced. Why is that? Well, I guess it's more people our age getting married stresses me out. Just in, like, uh, how have you worked past existentialism enough to make this decision kind of way. Oh, sure, Lydia agrees. Maybe they just never expose themselves to enough Hemingway to really get that fear instilled in them. Wow. I wonder if they can sleep through the night. It must be so easy to live without the shadow of existentialism looking over you. He smirks slightly, shaking his head as he rubs his lips together, staring out at the people who are swaying together on the floor. Scott is dancing respectfully with a bridesmaid who looks like she's trying to wiggle closer to him. Scott, however, simply rests his hands in a respectful spot on her waist and looks contently around the room, obliviously soaking in the atmosphere. Lydia hates to interrupt Styles as he scans the floor for something to be cynical about, but she's been to too many weddings at this point, and people watching isn't as entertaining as it used to be. So, if you hate dancing so much, why did you always dance with me? She asks, turning around so that she's actually facing him. Styles' brows crease when he sees the expectant way she is looking at him, but it's not in Lydia's nature to back down, and she knows he doesn't expect her to. He shrugs. It was the notebook, Lydia. She purses her lips. Did you know that I actually used to like that movie? What happened? His expression is almost too casual, eyes still glancing over the crowd as though he's expecting to find the answer in the throng of dancing people. But Lydia knows better, because she knows the answer to the question and knows that it is exactly what he would and wouldn't want to hear. Jackson, the supernatural life, you. I grew up. She answers. Styles nods, eyes coming to rest on hers. Right, absolutely. And for a second, Lydia thinks that this is the moment that their friendship finally snuffs it. She thinks that this moment, in a dimly lit ballroom with Sexy and I Know It playing in the background, might be the last one where she can pretend that things could have been okay with Styles Delinsky at some point. And she thinks that maybe a wedding, with an open bar and a plethora of other newer people to pay attention to, 
is probably the best place for this inevitability to occur. But then, he smiles. You grew up, huh? He says, eyes twinkling as he leans conspiratorially towards her. All right, then. Want to go down? It's not difficult to snatch a bottle of champagne when the bartender turns around. Styles does it with something almost akin to dignity, then shoots off towards the door of the ballroom, grabbing Lydia's wrist to pull her with him. She's laughing at him until he tips the bottle to her lips, and then she just obediently sips, following him down a corridor. Where are you going? Dunno, Styles says. Steps just a bit too large for her as he almost skips down the hallway. That's no good, Lydia decides, stopping abruptly in the middle of the hallway. You have to have plans for things. Styles runs a hand through his hair, making the short strands stick up nestily. When have plans ever gotten us anywhere? Plans got me through college, Lydia states. Planning is getting me through grad school. Don't knock plans. Slowly, Styles raises his closed fist to the wall. He grins at Lydia. No, don't do it. He knocks. You're such a shit. So what's your amazing plan? Asks Styles, wiggling his eyebrows. There's a secret passageway in the bridal suite. It's good enough to light his eyes up, so she doesn't need to ask him to follow her. Just turns on her heel and begins gliding down the hallway in a teal dress that suddenly feels more like it fits around her skin. A moment later, he catches up to her, this time taking care to match his steps to hers. It makes his gait appear odd, like a penguin walking next to Lydia as she strides confidently towards the elevator. As they travel to their floor, Styles bounces up and down on his toes, fingers locked together around the champagne bottle. He stares at the numbers on the elevator wall as they shift upwards, letting out a small, energetic whoop as soon as the doors slide open. Lydia follows closely behind him, decidedly not noticing the way his ass looks in those pants as he bounds towards the door of the bridal suite. She takes her time when he realizes that he can't get in, and he ends up waiting expectantly at the door for Lydia to hand him her keycard, which she produces from the left cup of her strapless bra. Styles makes no comment. I think it's right over there, Lydia says, pointing in the general direction of the tiny doorway that she'd seen earlier. Cool, says Styles, throwing his shoulder against the solid wall hard, and then got a pained yelp when it doesn't give way. He glances back at Lydia, eyes hopeful. Is there any chance you didn't see that? Lydia slow claps for him. Yeah, I thought so. It's up there, she says, pointing. It was ajar earlier today. That's how I noticed it. Styles frowns. That looks tiny. Well, Lydia says, straight-faced. Good thing you have nimble hips, Mr. Selinsky. Yeah, that is a really good... Wait, what? Help me up, Lydia instructs, tapping him expectantly on the arm. He sighs, as if world-weary from how demanding Lydia Martin is, but he stations himself behind her and lifts her into the air anyways, helping her reach the small hole in the wall. His cheek is pressed against her hip as he moves her closer to it and waits for her to press against it. Luckily, the small door pops open with a quiet click. Lydia braces her hands on either side of it and scrutinizes it carefully, trying to make sure it has enough space for both of them. Can you see anything? Styles asks. There's definitely a room, she replies, wriggling out of his grasp until half her body is in the hole. She has to army crawl her way through the tunnel, but she's drunk enough that she doesn't care, especially when Styles' head pops up in the entryway behind her, and he turns bright white when he realizes that he can see up her skirt. Lydia takes it upon herself to lighten the mood. Hey, did you just get taller? I'm standing on the table. 
You're going to break it. Get in here. Aye, Captain. In a moment, he has joined her in the tunnel, army crawling with a sloppy smile on his face. You look far too happy for someone who could be kicked in the face by a six-inch stiletto heel at any given moment. The smile vanishes from his face. Don't worry. I'll be careful. I'm holding you to that. Lydia sighs in relief when she sees that she wasn't wrong. There is a room at the end of the tunnel. She slithers out and into the room, then turns around with a beam on her face to watch Styles do the same. When his feet finally do hit the ground, she is glad to find that he is still clutching onto the champagne bottle. Nice. She compliments, nabbing the bottle from him and taking a sip. Are you commenting on the room or my army crawl? Both, Lydia teases, glancing around at the dark room. Is there a light switch? She can see the moon out the window, and it throws two couches and Styles' cheekbones into sharp illumination. The rest of the room is a mystery to her. Styles slams his hand against a few walls before lights finally flicker on, brightening the room. It's a warm burgundy with leather couches, a fireplace, television, and a minibar. Lydia immediately makes her way to the small refrigerator, digging through until she finds a nip of whiskey. So, she says, bouncing onto one of the couches and kicking off her shoes. It's been three years. What have you been up to? Well, he says, blinking innocently, my plan for world domination is almost complete. That's very interesting, Lydia nods. Not as cool as my plan to eradicate this earth of all bugs, but still very interesting. Well, I won a presidential election, so I think I beat you. That's fine, but bear in mind that I have performed eight times at Madison Square Garden. I learned to bake. She squints. Squints. Actually. Lydia raises her flask in the air and tips it towards him appreciatively. You win. Nice. They don't speak for a moment as Lydia wiggles her toes, adjusting to their newfound freedom, and Styles stares across at her, a quizzical expression on his face, but absolutely no question on his lips. How are you liking law school? For the first time, she's actually being serious. It's good to want something really badly, Styles replies, fixing his eyes on where his fingers are twisting around the neck of his champagne bottle. Good to feel like I have the time to want it. To make it happen, too. Yeah, exactly. You feel the same way about your degree? I do, she says simply. It's rewarding as hell to stay put for a while. I feel like the vast majority of high school was just running. Running away from myself, running away from bad guys. Damn, it took us 0.5 seconds to get back to high school. Well, it is the only thing we have to talk about, Lydia says, deadpan. What else is there in life? Wow, if you're asking that question, you clearly haven't tried Scott's mom's mashed potatoes. I have, and they're store brand. Store brand? Bob Evans, in fact. His mouth pops open. What? Sorry, hate to burst that particular bubble. But you like bursting other bubbles? One might say I live for it. What else do you live for? He asks, leaning a bit closer. She has half a mind to be sarcastic with him. Tell him that she lives for sprinkling the tears of children into her soup and for days when the weather can't quite decide what it wants to do with itself. But his eyes are the same shade that she remembers from all those years ago when they had stared up at her, believing. Lydia wants him to know her the way he used to know her. Wants to see if he would still gaze up at her with that stupid, beautiful look in his eyes. 
Coffee shops, she says. I like studying in them. I live for coffee shops and driving with NPR on the radio and getting bread from the restaurant that I like that's three blocks away from my apartment. She doesn't know why he's smiling so hard. But then maybe it doesn't really matter. And I think I live for the times when I have to drop everything I'm doing because I know that if I ignore myself and give in to my powers, I can save somebody else's life. Styles' back hits the couch as he considers this. He twists his lips back and forth, finally settling on a smile. You still use them sometimes? She doesn't want to say, when I have to, because that's not what she means. So Lydia takes a moment to carefully consider her answer. When they need me to, she settles on, cringing at how corny it sounds. But that's how it works, isn't it? I can ignore them, she clarifies, most of the time. Ignore the voices and the whispering. But sometimes I just get dizzy and nauseous, and the only way to stop it is to know when to listen. So I do. Styles looks almost sleepy as he licks his upper lip and rubs his index finger against the red leather on the couch. I tell people that I'm studying law because I like puzzling things together, putting them in order, figuring them out. But the truth is, after everything that happened, I don't think I could really find value in anything mundane anymore. Not like I used to be able to. I don't think I could ever have a job that didn't involve feeling like you have some sort of importance in the world. An influence. A leg up. He shrugs, scratching awkwardly at his eyebrow. I think maybe once you play hero for a bit, you can't go back to being impotent. He frowns down at his bottle, face darkened as he taps his fingers against the base. Hey, Lydia says, and Siles' head shoots up searching her face for the reaction that he hadn't wanted to see. Tell me about your apartment. It's her way of keeping things normal. It's her way of telling him that he's normal. It's her way of making him smile. When they walk back into the ballroom two hours later, Scott doesn't ask them where they've been. Wedding number two. If Lydia were less hungover, she probably would be more apt to enjoy this wedding. But the music that thumps through the speakers seems to simply be taunting her, reminding her of all the blowjob shots she'd had last night at Dave & Buster's. Honestly, she never should have tried to best styles. She can hold her drink, but she's 5'3", and when she really thinks about it, she never even had a chance. Styles seems to be finding this very entertaining. Here's another drink, he says, grinning as he slides it across the table to her. Smile, Lydia. Ceremony's over. You don't have to be sober anymore. She wraps her lips around the straw and sucks, staring at Styles in annoyance as she does so. He scrunches up his cheeks in the most obnoxious smile he can muster and throws back some of his apple teeny, smacking his lips appreciatively once he's swallowed. You know you look like an idiot when you drink that, right, ma'am? Scott asks. Sure, Styles says easily. Just checking, Scott responds, eyes finding Lydia so that he can give her a good-natured smile. God, have you guys tried these scallops? I'll grab some. Styles says, shooting out of his chair. The wedding party isn't going to be in for a while anyway. Those pictures always take forever, and holy shit. Lydia frowns up at him, refusing to take the bait of Styles' wide eyes and stiff stance. What is it? Don't turn around, Styles says insistently. Um, you should get the scallops. No, Lydia says, shaking her head. We made a bet last night that whoever got a better score on the giant fruit ninja game would have to fetch at the wedding. I am not getting my ass out of this seat until it's time to do the Macarena.
Styles stamps his foot slightly, distracted from whatever had been bugging him. Okay, that's totally unfair because you did kick my ass at Fruit Ninja, but I fucking owned you at Dance Dance Revolution. And hey, is this table number six? The worst thing in the world is hearing a voice that she would know anywhere and feeling her skin crawl at the sound of it. Nobody with a voice that familiar should make Lydia's heart jump with anxiety, and yet here she is, sitting at table number six with suddenly pale skin and a Styles who is currently looking so concerned for her that she thinks he may have taken on half of her anxiety as his own. Lydia fixes a fake smile onto her face before turning around in her chair and greeting the new t- newcomer. Jackson, she says, her voice upbeat. So glad you found us. Her eyes flick from the place card in his hands to the blonde woman standing confidently behind him, her arms crossed lightly over her chest. She's wearing a wine-colored dress that makes Lydia drool, and she's wearing a lipstick that Lydia could never pull off because of her hair color. Sorry we're late, Jackson says, settling into the chair next to Scott. Styles takes this as his cue to sit down as well, placing a sympathetic hand briefly on Lydia's knee before withdrawing it and reaching for his drink. I had a business meeting in Aspen. He turns to his date, eyes expectant. Babe, you want to get me a scotch? Styles surreptitiously pushes his apple teeny towards Lydia, making it seem like it's her drink. She turns to him with an amused look on her face, and he shrugs, trying not to laugh. Sure thing, says Jackson's date, leaving him a kiss on the cheek before walking towards the bar. He glances around, snapping his fingers at the closest waiter, who comes over with a tray of spring rolls. Oh, you can just leave him. Styles buries his snort into his water glass. Scott, on his other side, kicks him under the table, causing him to startle, then glare. So, Jackson, how have you been? Lydia asks, trying to keep her voice upbeat. But her mouth is dry, and she can't help but remember long, gray evenings with Allison during which Lydia had gotten too drunk on red wine and had spent too much time trying to work her way through how this boy had treated her. I've been well, he replies, popping a spring roll into his mouth. Busy. Next to her, Styles squirms. Styles, who had picked up the pieces after Jackson left, picked them up without even trying. Styles, who had silently supported her even when he hadn't been there for her, who had always made her feel worthwhile and important. Sitting at a table with both of them feels like a different universe. Lydia hasn't seen Jackson, much less been in the same room as him and Styles simultaneously, since high school. She also hadn't realized he would be here, which she now realizes is ridiculous. He used to be Danny's best friend. It makes her wish that she had brought Matthew instead of leaving him at home with her dog. It would have been nice to have a date tonight. But she knows why she didn't bring him. And that reason is currently sitting next to her with his jaw clenched, glaring at Jackson. Styles was, somehow, her unspoken date. Lydia hadn't wanted him to give his time to anybody else despite the fact that she's been with Matthew for six months. Lydia has a master's in mathematics, Styles says proudly, as though it's his degree that he's currently touting, which is impressive. Jackson spares her a second of surprise before his date comes back with his scotch and her vodka cranberry. Styles is in law school, Lydia says. Then, feeling awkward, she adds, and Scott is becoming a veterinarian. That's fantastic, Jackson replies, tipping his drink at them before taking a sip. Oh, this is Christina. Nice to meet you, Christina says, extending a gracefully slender hand towards first Scott, then Styles, then Lydia. How do you all know Jackson? There's a charged moment as the four of them exchange glances, 
Even Jackson's eyes looked slightly panicked, seeming to plead with the three of them. We knew each other in high school, Stiles says, not taking his eyes off of Jackson. The latter has the decency to offer Stiles a pained smile of thanks before loosening his tie slightly and turning to nod at his date. Right. We were on the lacrosse team together. Co-captains, actually, Scott interjects, until Jackson left after sophomore year. The music changes as the announcer calls out the names of the wedding party, and all of them focus themselves on polite clapping as men and women walk into the room in pairs, finally cheering the loudest when Danny and Ethan emerge from the parted doors, beaming and waving. Scott and Stiles whoop and holler extra loud, as if trying to accommodate for the roar that Aiden would have emitted had he been able to attend his twin's wedding. A few of their tablemates who had set up station at the bar make their way back to the table, offering Jackson warm greetings. Dinner is served while the group begins to catch up, and as Stiles tucks into his chicken, he leans over to Lydia, who ducks her head down so that she can hear him. So. So? Rumor has it, Danny's cousin just hooked up with her old music teacher. Mr. Barlow? She knows he's trying to distract her, and she's grateful. The very same. Which cousin? Styles points. Uh, that one? Who are your sources? He narrows his eyes. I saw them, Styles says slowly. <laughs> you saw them? Yes. I saw them walk into the room together. You're an idiot, Lydia says appreciatively, just as the announcer calls Danny and Ethan onto the dance floor and asks them to have their first dance as a married couple. Oh, by the way, I saw Scott talking to Danny's mom. I'm pretty sure he's hitting that. Nah, Stiles says, brushing it off as more people begin to join Danny and Ethan on the dance floor. Wolfie would have told me if he'd scored that cougar. Lydia coughs into her drink, laughing as Scott turns towards them with concerned eyes. What did you do to her? He asks immediately, trying not to laugh. Stiles, what did I tell you about telling the broken rib story when people are eating? Relax, Stiles says. This reaction was induced by a discussion about your sex life. Nothing more, nothing less. Scott is about to answer, and Lydia is certainly looking forward to an explanation of his horrified expression, when suddenly one of their friends from high school calls the three of them to attention. God, Lydia, do you remember when you and Jackson were dating? She stiffens immediately. Their classmate, drunk and oblivious, thunders through. We thought you were going to make it all the way through high school, the way you talked about each other. <laughs> what even happens? There's a moment of uncomfortable silence. I moved to England, Tina, Jackson says eventually. Remember? No, 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 it was before that. You went crazy, and then you two broke up, and then you went crazy after that. Do you remember that? Do you? In a perfect world, none of their classmates would currently be staring at them with curiosity blatantly evident on their faces. However, this is not their reality, and the result is both Jackson and Lydia staring across the table at each other, wordless. She truly hadn't ever wanted to see him again. Perhaps if she'd had a chance to prepare some sort of speech, she would have thrown it at him like a knife spinning through the air. And maybe if she'd had that chance, the knife would have hit its target. Maybe it would have even made her feel slightly less broken. Lydia feels like she spent the last ten years searching for it slightly less broken. So far, it has been elusive. Hey, Stiles says, breaking her from her reverie. He stands up abruptly, his chair sliding backwards and almost falling over. Come and dance. There's a slow song playing, and Lydia is pretty sure it's by Celine Dion, 
But Styles doesn't seem to be concerned by what they're going to be dancing to. He just looks at her expectantly, holding out a hand to her. Okay, she agrees, taking his hand and following him out to the floor. He twirls her once before spinning her into him and pulling her tight against his body, like he's trying to keep her from running away from the wedding. Lydia sighs heavily, taking the moment to rest her forehead against his shoulder, hiding. Thanks, Styles murmurs, voice quiet. If I had stayed at that table for one more second, I think I would have decked that douchebag. He's not so bad. Maybe he wasn't at the start of high school, admits Styles, looking more disgruntled than he should, but I reserve the right to hate that guy's guts. Lydia wraps her arms around his neck like she's hugging him instead of dancing, swaying her hips to the same rhythm as Styles is swaying his. She feels, for no reason at all, like she's been wrecked by something. Ruined. But Styles is dancing slightly offbeat, and it makes Lydia smile. Wakes her up. Makes her remember, at the exact moment that she needs to, that there isn't any one thing that could ruin Lydia Martin. She presses her face into Styles' shoulder, her fingers playing with the fabric of his tie. When she speaks, her words are muffled by his shirt. Is it weird that I never thought I would see him again? Lydia, he disappeared. When she doesn't say anything, he seems to take this as an invitation to keep going. Vanished. Went bye-bye. Said sayonara. Flew off into the sun on Apollo's chariot and... You can stop now, she says, jabbing him in the side and making him jump. I was there. Appropriate guilt crosses Styles' face, so Lydia forgives him, reassuming position as the song changes from one slow song to another, and she hums lowly into his jacket, feeling her eyes drift shut slightly at the steady sway of their emotions. I think about Allison at weddings, Styles says. God, I think about her so much. For the first time that night, Lydia feels like she genuinely might want to cry. Me too. Constantly, Lydia admits, and Styles bends down to press his chin against the top of her head. I keep thinking that she should be having this. I wonder if Scott is ever going to have this. Has he been dating? No. He doesn't do casual. Neither do you. You do. Lydia lifts one shoulder, not wanting to talk about it. The alternative is getting burned every time you try. Yeah. True. Allison would have had the classiest wedding, Lydia predicts, rubbing the tip of her nose lightly up and down Styles' shoulder. And she wouldn't have been a horrible bridezilla either. She would have somehow had the perfect wedding without having to raise her voice once in order to make it happen. Woodland creatures would have made the centerpieces. And she would have shot the meal herself. Oh, of course. Gotta have quality control. Lydia laughs quietly at its joke, suddenly beginning to dread the song ending. She thinks about how she never would have been caught dead with this boy in high school, and now here she is, absolutely clinging to the man in front of the same people who would have tortured her for wanting him when they were 16. She thinks that there is a distinct possibility that he has never stopped being her anchor. And I would have been her maid of honor, Lydia says, almost cringing at the sadness that is seeping into her voice. God, I would have thrown her the most humiliating bachelorette party ever. Aw, she would have hated that, Styles says tenderly. You mean that? Of course I do. Lydia chuckles. So, you made me dance with you again. Whoops, he says expressionlessly. I think you secretly love dancing, Lydia decides, needling him. No, I don't, 
Styles shrugs. Just lucky with you. His hands are on her back, and she wonders if he can feel her breath hitch. Hey, you know who loves dancing? Who? Lydia asks, but her question is answered when a new song begins to play, and Scott bounds up to them, pushing up his sleeves as he goes. Get in line, he shouts, looking at them like they're crazy. What are you doing? What? Styles begins, but Lydia just rolls her eyes and begins following the instructions. Just stop gaping and cha-cha real smooth, will you? She yells over the music, leaping out of the way as Scott sways his hips in every direction humanly possible, and then some. Oh, jeez, Styles says, following suit and quickly stepping into line. She follows Scott to the left, trying not to laugh as Styles crashes into her, then begins apologizing profusely. Scott is already gyrating backwards, a two big grin stretched out across his face. Lydia and Styles shake their heads in tandem as they hop up and down twice. I always feel ridiculous when I do this, Styles hollers, launching seamlessly into the white boy shuffle. Well, you look great, Lydia fibs, making Styles grin excitedly at her before realizing that she's trying way too hard to keep a straight face. He ends up flipping her off and knocking his hip into hers as they move to the left. This time, she's pretty sure it's on purpose. Scott manages to beat Styles in the Charlie Browns, but Styles has an enthusiasm for the reverse move that is absolutely unparalleled. By the time the song is over, the three of them are weak from laughter and covered in sweat. Okay, I'm done, Lydia insists, beginning to walk off the dance floor. You're not getting my, me off my ass until I'm two grasshoppers in and Cotton Eye Joe is playing. Styles is just following her off the dance floor when, suddenly, the notes from the next song begin to swell from the speaker. He stops abruptly and turns around, causing Scott to slam into him. What? He demands with a look of pure joy on Styles' face. What is it? Oh. Lydia covers her mouth, trying to hide her smile as she sees Danny, who is standing by the DJ, offer the three of them a thumbs up. No, Scott says when Styles claps delightedly. No, we're not doing this. It's too late, Scotty, he sings, leaving back into the center of the floor. Lydia has some sense, Scott insists, but Lydia just smirks and goes to stand next to Styles. Styles holds up a hand. Dude, this is my time. Don't talk during my time. He turns to Lydia. You ready? Born ready, she replies. Guys, what are you? But their voices join together, singing Werewolves of London over Scott's protesting voice. Out of the corner of her eye, Lydia sees Styles waving pointedly at Jackson, who is trying to avoid looking at them. Unable to help herself, she waves too. And for the first time since she was a teenager, she feels like she has achieved slightly less broken. Wedding number three. Style Stalinsky's stupidly upturned nose is cuter than usual when it is offset by an ocean backdrop. Perhaps telling him this would be the easiest thing to do, but then he might turn his head and Lydia would be unwillingly forced to stop looking at the way his Adam's apple bobs up and down as he quietly stares out at the churning sea. Instead, she chooses to remain quiet and watch, savoring. That's what she's come to do at these weddings. Savor every possible moment she can have with Styles, because they almost never talk in between them. But today, he had shown up at the courthouse where Derek and Brayden were signing their papers, and instead of going over to Scott, Styles had walked right up to Lydia. Like he belonged there. Maybe they both know that he doesn't, but when they go to these weddings, they can pretend. 
Which is, of course, why Lydia had taken care to curl her hair into loose waves and put on clanky silver bangles and wear a black maxi dress that had tiny cutouts going horizontally along the top of her ribcage. Because this wedding ends here, at this restaurant in Maine, with Styles staring at the ocean, wind fondly ruffling his hair. And to Lydia? This feels like date night. Probably the only date night they'll ever have. After the courthouse, he'd picked her up at her hotel room and told her she looked beautiful. He had dutifully held open multiple doors for her, his hand always on her back as they'd passed through. And Lydia has found herself wondering if he's about to present her with flowers and chocolate, because when he'd opened the car door for her and helped her out, she'd had the distinct impression that she was about to be stepping into a relationship. With anyone else, she'd probably be back at the hotel room already as a positive reinforcer for excellent behavior. But it's Styles, so Lydia is pressed up against the bar, flashing her cleavage at the bartender as she reads the cocktail menu. Styles is already clutching his pina colada, tapping his fingers impatiently against the glass as he waits for Lydia to decide on what to order. When he sighs pointedly and stamps his foot, she takes an extra 47 seconds, just to annoy him. I'll have a sex on the beach, please, Lydia decides, nodding to confirm her choice. Nah, I wouldn't recommend that, Styles says without thinking. Sand everywhere. Both Lydia and the bartender turned to stare at him. They each handled the following moment in a slightly different way. The bartender, with a quiet cough and a knowing smirk, bends over to begin pouring Lydia's drink. Lydia, however, turns to Styles with a cat who got the cream smirk and simply watches him. He swallows. What? Nothing, she replies, wrapping her knuckles against the bar before turning around, her profile to him. I just think you have a lot to learn, is all. She actually doesn't really have a stance regarding sex on the beach, but she could probably create one if he wanted to argue it. Lydia's done that more than once, if only because she likes making him sweat. Right now, however, Styles doesn't seem to take the bait. He smirks lopsidedly and puts his elbows on the bar, hands twisting together as he looks at her. Not all of us can be Lydia Martin, you know, he says, falseness pervading his tone. God... She wouldn't want him to be. Isn't that too bad? The world would run so much more efficiently. Everybody would actually get stuff done. We'd be so advanced. It's the world's loss, really. The bartender slides Lydia's drink over to her, and Siles picks it up absentmindedly, turning around to carry it back to their table, still bantering in her direction. She decided to tune him out and stare at his ass instead which is so much more enticing than anything he could be saying about Lydia Martin taking over the world. She's never actually wanted to take over the world. Just Beacon Hills High School, which had taught her exactly what she needed to learn about total domination. And then she lost it. And it had been the best thing that had ever happened to her. And that is why she is at Derek's ha- Derek Hale's wedding at a random seaside restaurant in Maine, settling into a two-person table with Stiles Stalinski. It's weird to think that Derek Hale got married, Lydia says, laughing a bit louder than the situation would warrant. Seriously, someone married Derek Hale. I think I almost saw him smile when she signed the certificate, actually. No, really? Really, Styles confirms, taking a sip of his drink. Actually, hadn't realized that he had teeth that weren't fanged. I choose to ignore that fact. It makes their first kiss as husband and wife a far more interesting moment. Styles chuckles. 
having been in a situation where I was kissing someone when her fangs came out, I can say with absolute certainty that that does not feel good. He shudders slightly. Lydia gets a jolt through her system when she hears Styles mention Malia. They have never talked about Malia. Never. Ever. I can't imagine that was the highlight of your relationship, she says, steadying herself. Definitely not. He's so blasé about it. Like Lydia hadn't felt herself getting lost when he found Malia. Like he doesn't realize that she had needed him to grab her arm and just tug, and he hadn't been there to do it. Maybe he doesn't know. Maybe, after all this time, loving Stiles Stalinsky has become her best-kept secret. Are you two, um, okay now? She literally doesn't care. At all. She would rather talk about anything else. But Malia is in a corner, talking to one of Brayden's friends from God knows where, and there's a huge part of Lydia that desperately wants to know why Styles is sitting over here instead of with the girl who he had actually had a relationship with. Fine, Styles shrugs. He leans closer to Lydia, lowering his voice. I kind of forget that we dated sometimes. Lydia almost chokes on her drink as she tries not to laugh. I wish I didn't know exactly what you mean, but I really do. He starts laughing, too. Yeah, right? It's like it was so long ago when it ended so fucking effortlessly that sometimes it feels like it never happened. And he goes on, and she thinks about just telling him. He's probably the only person left in the world who doesn't know. She thinks about the different ways to phrase it. Whether she should lay it all out on the table or keep it in the past, hanging on to whatever she feels in this moment. Keeping it. But then Styles' words peter out, and he looks across the table at her, thinking, and Lydia instinctively knows that it's not her turn to talk yet. I guess it doesn't matter much anyways, he says, absently drawing something in the condensation on the table. The shadows from the waning sun are settling comfortably across his face, but Styles doesn't seem to notice. I guess it it started off as something that was supposed to, well, do a certain thing, and then it became bigger, and it was, that was great, but the problem was that it, it didn't do the thing that it was initially supposed to do, and that thing never really got done, and it kind of made the relationship easier to let go of. Lydia blinks. Do you want to elaborate, or are we just going to? Actually, I am good, Style says contently. Lydia laughs, feeling the tension leave her body at the lazy grin that he flashes her. She sways slightly to the easy music that is playing in the background. Okay, then. There is a candle between the two of them, illuminating Styles's chin, where there is a random scratch that stretches all the way across the flesh. She wants to ask. Then she decides not to. Instead, she stirs the straw of her drink with her finger and looks out at the ocean. Say it's beautiful, Styles suggests. And why would I do that? Because then you can be all, it's beautiful, and I can look at you and go, yeah, it is. And then we can make the candle on this table feel like it's in the right moment. You do realize, of course, that none of that made sense, Lydia asks, turning back towards him and lifting her straw to her lips. Sure. Oh, I'm so glad. He turns out to the ocean, shoulders shrugging for no reason. Then, it is beautiful, though. 
She can literally, physically, see him straining not to laugh. She sighs, rolls her eyes, fights it not nearly hard enough. Yeah, Lydia agrees. It is. Sal's mouth curves up into a wry smile. Gotcha. Don't make me regret it. He places a hand over his heart. I would never. Lydia purses her lips in his direction and sarcastically raises her glass at him. Styles clinks, then grins around his straw as he sucks on it, drinking his pina colada. So, how do you like Izzy? Lydia asks when he's done drinking. Styles' mouth twists back and forth and he frowns, searching the bar for Scott and his new girlfriend. She's really great, he says. It's just kind of weird. Weird how? Lydia asks, bangles clinking as she reaches into the middle of the table for a peanut. She can tell that he's trying to be casual because he is not at all acting like he feels casually about this. God doesn't really date anymore, Styles informs her, voice taking on a slightly sardonic tone. It might have to do with the fact that he's still trying to navigate school while also dealing with random supernatural shit that keeps coming up because he won't fucking leave Beacon Hills behind. Aren't you insightful? Lydia deadpans, tilting her head. Her voice softens. Do you think he needs to get out of there? Yeah. Doesn't mean he will. She nods slowly. I like Boston, she admits. I like it a lot. But I don't think I'll ever stop feeling obligated to Beacon Hills. And I think that's why I don't live there anymore. It suddenly feels ridiculous that they are sitting at a round table for two, their elbows on the unpainted wooden deck railing as they are looking out at the water. It feels ridiculous to be perched precariously on top of tall, plastic black chairs as they sip cocktails. People are dead, and they are watching Isaac and his girlfriend standing in the ocean together, holding hands and not needing to speak. They are watching Derek, leaning down to whisper something in Brayden's ear that makes her raise her eyebrows almost to her hairline before turning back to the person she's speaking with. They are watching Scott carry two drinks back to Izzy, his lopsided smile seeming to light up in her face. Scott's never going to get out, says Styles darkly, and I guess I'm not either. That's not necessarily true, Lydia refutes. He looks too surprised as he raises his eyebrows. Well, things change. Styles doesn't say anything still. Lydia knocks her head to the side, widening her eyes pointedly. Styles, is he? His nose crinkles. So what? Scott's dating. You just said he's also becoming a vet and buying a truck doesn't mean anything's changing or getting better. Bullshit. She says clearly. Scott's not dating. He's bringing a girl to a wedding. A girl who's his girlfriend. And that means that he feels safe enough with himself and with someone else to bring a date to Derek Hale's wedding. Which means things are changing. Which means you are willfully ignoring these facts because it's easier to feel like life is going to stay the same forever. It's not. Scott met some girl in his bio class and suddenly life doesn't stay the same forever. Their words begin to become rapid, like they're throwing darts at each other. Remember when you used to wish that things would go back to how they were? That was when I thought that was a possibility, 
You're being stubborn. When am I not? You could try the not thing right now. Ready, set, go. As soon as all this goes away, you're gone forever. Lydia's breath catches. She waits too many beats to speak again. What? As soon as we're okay, you're gone, says Styles to the table. The only time we talk between weddings is when we Skype about supernatural stuff. Other creatures, other people. So as soon as Scott settles down and Beacon Hills becomes safe for all of eternity, she has to crack a smile at that one, but his next words wash it right off her face. Leah Martin leaves it forever. Lydia doesn't say anything. That's how it works. You don't know. There's nothing to keep you here, he says humorlessly. But there's this small smile on his face because he knows he's caught her out. If she says that he's the thing that has always kept her coming back to Beacon Hills, they have to admit that this goes so far beyond having an unspoken date to a wedding. She has to admit that she will have dreams about dry banter accompanying Cotton-Eyed Joe for three weeks after every wedding they attend together. She will have to acknowledge the fact that she looks for him in the crowd, even at weddings she knows he won't be attending. She'll have to tell him that she spends every day missing him, because she is too afraid to try out not missing him. Keep me right now, she says instead. I'm here, I've only had one drink, and you've almost finished your pina colada. So you can keep me right now, and I can let you. He looks at her like he doesn't know what she's talking about. So Lydia, with her heart in her throat, stands up, stands next to her chair, stares at him, waits for him to follow her. Are you being serious? He asks, squinting at her. Don't ask stupid questions, Lydia instructs. He stands up too, watching for her reaction. Her face doesn't change. Okay, he says. Yeah. We have to say goodbye to Derek and Brayden and thank them for inviting us, Lydia says. And you need to say goodbye to Scott, and then we have to decide. He steps forward and kisses her, copping her cheeks in his hands. She whimpers as his hands skate from her cheeks to her back, where his fingers easily find the cutouts in her dress. They slide into them, warm and calloused against Lydia's skin, and when Styles pulls back, his eyes are dark. Yeah. Styles says. We aren't doing any of those things, actually. Lydia snatches up her purse and speed walks to the exit, ignoring Scott's incredulous stare as Styles follows after her, fingers curled around her outstretched fingers so that he doesn't lose her in the crowd. She finds his car and climbs inside, ignoring the jumpiness of her body as he scampers into the driver's seat and fumbles with the key. The radio blasts on, a loud song that thumps at the same pace as Lydia's exhilarated heartbeat. And when Styles' hand scrambles for the dial to turn it down, Lydia stops him with her fingers. He looks over at her and meets her stare, a look that resonates all the way through her. Drive, she instructs, because that's literally all she can say right now, and he grabs the stick and changes gears more quickly than Lydia would have thought possible. She allows her fingers to skate past his wrist, up his arm, over his shoulder, and to the nape of his neck, where she winds the short strands of hair around her fingers. Where? Mine's closer, he says, answering her unasked question. Izzy booked a bed and breakfast close to the restaurant. 
And she booked a room for you, too? He looks over at her. Scott's staying there, he says, shaking his head to accompany the implied, duh. Oh, of course. Shut up, he says, eyes back on the road, as if saying that has ever worked on me. He grins. I don't really know why I keep trying. It's because you don't want me to shut up. Well, not in most circumstances. Styles' driving is certainly suffering from the fact that Lydia's hands begin to wander as soon as he says that, but she is almost disappointed when they pull into the driveway of the B&B. His cheeks are red and his hands are trembling, and if she didn't want him so bad right now, she might tell him to take another lap around the block just to see if she could keep torturing him. Instead, she bolts out of the car, snatches up her purse, and slams the door shut. Styles locks the Jeep and follows behind her quickly, opening the door to the B&B and allowing her to go first. His hand is on her back when she walks through the door, but it's so much lower than it was earlier in the night, and Lydia swallows at his own form of torture. It's late, so the front desk is empty, and they make for the stairs as fast as they can. Lydia can feel his eyes on her the entire way up, their gaze heavy as she moves. When she reaches the top of the stairs, she turns around to ask him which room it is, but he just shoves her violently against the wall and begins to kiss her, hands immediately moving to her ass. His body is curved over hers, their figures being devoured by the shadows of the dimly lit hallway, and the intensity of Styles' kiss is making Lydia's knees weak. Which room? she demands when his fingers find the cutouts in her dress again, sneaking inside of them so that his hands can wrap all the way around her waist. He digs into his pocket for the room key and pulls her away from the wall, still kissing her. As he tries to dig the key into the lock with shaking hands, Lydia presses kisses against his neck, lashes fluttering slowly against his skin. The door swings open and Lydia grabs him by the shirt, walking backwards into the room. Styles kicks the door closed with his foot and grunts as she moves in to kiss him again, his hands searching the wall for the light. When it turns on, they both jump, startled at the sight of the room. It is covered in images of cats. Pillows. Blankets. Fucking needlepoints. Styles glances over at Lydia, nonplussed. I, I, um, sort of forgot about this part. She's still a little breathless at the sight of her red lipstick smudged across his upper lip, so she nods robotically. How? Exactly? Did you forget about it? Inexplicably, I was just sort of very focused on sex. She can't argue with that because she has been too. That's forgivable. So we just go do it in the car. No, Lydia says. We take the pillows off of the bed, turn the needle points around, and put the stuffed animals in the bathroom. What about the comforter? There's no time, Styles. Fine, he says. I'll grab the portraits, you do the pillows. He moves immediately to the walls while Lydia goes over to the bed and begins throwing the mountains of pillows off of it. For a few moments, she hears Styles fighting with one of the larger paintings, making loud, annoyed sounds as he struggles. Then, suddenly, it goes quiet. When she turns around, he is staring at her, tongue on his lower lip. Lydia drags her gaze from his lips to his eyes. Oh, fuck it, he says reaching her in two strides and slamming his body into hers as he kisses her again. She falls back onto the bed, dragging him with her, and he pushes her hair off of her neck so that he can kiss her where he wants. 
What about the cats? Lydia asks breathlessly, only half teasing as she works to unbutton his shirt. He shakes it off of his arms and throws it carelessly to the ground before returning to Lydia's body. They can watch, Styles says into the skin on her neck. Just ignore them. He slides his hands downward again, this time moving them back so that he can ruck her dress up and pull it over her head. Lydia sits up to make it easier, snapping back to his mouth as soon as it's off. When you woke up this morning and decided not to wear a bra, were you attempting to drive me up the fucking wall the entire night, or is that just how it worked out? Merely an entertaining coincidence, actually, Lydia says as she lays down again, her hair fanning out under her. I was mostly thinking about how I could upstage the bride. Styles snorts against her skin, moving his lips down to capture a nipple. How, how did I do? He releases it, looking up at her with raised eyebrows. Yeah, think you did all right. She bucks her hips up as he moves her other nipple, squirming as he sucks and licks at it. When his hand dips into her red lace panties, Lydia only allows him to touch her briefly before she slaps his hand out of the way with the small amount of strength she has left. There are condoms in my bag, she says, and when you come back to this bed, your pants had better be on the floor. He finds her purse resting on the ground by the door, and Lydia sits up on her elbows as he searches through it, taking a bit too long as he fumbles around. Finally, he pulls an unopened box out, shaking it slightly as he looks at it, then turns to look up at her incredulously. You bought these for this weekend. It's not a question. Lydia swallows. Maybe. Styles starts to grin. You thought we were going to have sex, didn't you? Um, you planned this. Lydia crosses her arms over her chest, eyes flitting from him to the ceiling. So what if I did? He opens the box, pulls out two condoms, and walks back over to the bed with a shit-eating grin. Lydia sits up and scoots to the edge of the bed, moving her hands to the buckle on his trousers because he is taking way too long, and she finds herself completely done with waiting when his smile reaches the corners of his eyes. So, if you did, it means that not only did you wake up in the morning and decide not to wear a bra, you also decided to wear those panties. And you were thinking about me seeing you in them. She focuses on getting his dark blue boxer briefs down instead of the enormous smirk on his face. But when he puts a finger under her chin and tilts it upwards, Lydia's hands still at the serious look in his eyes. And now, I get to take them off. It had taken Lydia at least 34 seconds to decide which pair of panties she was going to wear, and only about three seconds for Styles to slide them down her legs, ripping them slightly in the process. She's going to bill him for it as soon as he makes her come. After, his body sags into the bed and he turns his head to the side, sighing across the pillow. Lydia collapses next to him, breathing hard as she looks over at him. His eyes are closed, a boyish smile drifting across his lips. Contently, she revels in her ability to be quietly in love with this man. She turns onto her stomach, hair landing across one shoulder as she moves her lips closer to his, almost but not quite kissing him. When he feels her there, he chases her warmth and kisses her softly, moving his body closer to hers until he is cupping her into him. Hey, she says, words slurring lazily against his lips. You're better at that than you were last time. Styles' eyes pop open. He looks furious. Really? He complains. You had to bring that up. What? 
Lydia feigns innocence, placing her hand on her chest. It's a compliment. I was 18, Styles protests. You were the second girl I'd ever been with. I'm just saying that you lasted way longer this time. He groans, grabbing the pillow out from under her and using it to cover his face. It was one time. I could have lasted longer if we'd done it again. Sure, Lydia says innocently. That's what I've been telling myself every single day for the past eight years. He throws the pillow at her. I'll prove it to you. How, exactly? He pauses. I don't know. Finally, Lydia snorts. Fine, I'll make it up to you. She wants to tell him that there's nothing to make up for, but he's already kissing her again, a quick goodbye before he slides between her legs. Lydia closes her eyes and keeps them that way until her smile turns into a moan. Wedding number four. Styles is late. Late. For an entire wedding. It's a miracle that the bride hasn't beat him down the aisle, because the wedding was supposed to begin four minutes and 22 seconds ago, and Isaac is up by the altar, looking tense. Scott, standing next to him, tries to say something to him, but Isaac just offers him a terse smile and continuously glances towards the door for his bride. Where is he? Lydia mumbles to herself, but the question is answered by Izzy. He probably missed his first flight. He was supposed to be here two hours early. Lydia nods, crinkling her nose distastefully. That'll do it. It's not his fault, Izzy says softly, reading her mind. His boss wouldn't let him off earlier. There was a big case. Lydia doesn't have anything to say to that because she had gotten in at 1 a.m. the previous night and had proceeded to collapse onto the bed in her hotel room, completely exhausted, only to almost miss her alarm the next morning. However... She hadn't been late for a wedding. The door bursts open and Isaac looks up excitedly, only to groan when he sees Styles half sprinting down the aisle. He searches the crowd quickly for Lydia, spots her, and beams at her as he strides up to her. Right on time, he says happily, kissing Lydia on the cheek before taking the seat next to her. He leans over her to do a brief handshake with Izzy, then settles comfortably into his chair, clearing his throat as he adjusts his tie. Lydia, for her part, can't stop staring at him as Styles waves hello to Scott, Derek, and Isaac, all standing up at the altar. It has been a year and three months, and his cheekbones seem to be poking out of his face more than usual. The music starts to swell, and Styles jumps, startled, causing both Izzy and Scott to begin laughing. When the doors open and the bridesmaids begin walking down the aisle, Styles turns back to Lydia, ignoring the parade of beautiful girls floating towards the altar. Hey, he says, cheerful. How was the flight? Good, Lydia says. Yours? Not as long as yours, Styles says. So, yeah, probably better. Contract's almost up in any case, so I won't have to take the flight after that. It'll be nice. Someone sitting behind them taps him on the shoulder, shushing him when the crowd stands up so that the bride can begin to walk down the aisle. Izzy twists all the way around, eager to see her, but Styles stays looking at Lydia even after they're standing, waiting for her to respond to him. Have you been enjoying it? She whispers, genuinely curious. She's seen pictures on Facebook of him out with his co-workers, totally buzzed and with large, open-mouthed smiles. There's a close-up of him lifting a nacho into his mouth that had made Lydia squirm with the knowledge of where that tongue had been. Then she had thought about where else that tongue had been, places she didn't know about, and that had made her squirm in entirely the wrong way. Needless to say, she'd stayed off of Facebook for a month after that. Yeah, it's been great, he responds voice just a bit too loud. Really rewarding experience. 
His words are so robotic that Lydia laughs, causing a delighted look to cross Styles' face. They all sit down before he can high-five himself. What are you up to? He asks as the officiator begins speaking about how love is eternal and should never be taken for granted. Still work with BU? Lydia nods, not sure if she should talk to him or focus on what's going on in front of them. She tilts her head down and turns it to the side, waiting for Styles to follow. Same research lab, yeah, she murmurs. And is it me, or does Isaac look like he's about to sneeze on her? Styles' eyes flit up, narrowing as he tries to closely inspect what they're looking at. God, you're right. He's just getting emotional, Lydia reasons. It's a very important day. Do I look like I'm about to sneeze when I cry? Styles asks, looking as though this thought is just dawning on him. No, Lydia says, still whispering. Oh no, Scott's giving us the stink eye. Nah, Styles says, shrugging offhandedly, but he straightens up anyways, flashing Scott a, see, I can behave, type smile, which makes Scott give Styles a look that tells all three of them that they know very well that Styles is physically incapable of behaving. Ten minutes later, Lydia is bored. And that means that Styles is bored as well. When she glances over at him, he has his mouth scrunched up and is digging into his front pocket, searching for something. When she raises her eyebrows in question, Styles merely lifts one finger to tell her to wait and then grins when he manages to extract a piece of notebook paper with a list on the front. When he turns it around, it's blank. Pen? He mouths at her, and Lydia reaches to the floor for her purse, grabbing a BU pen from it. Thanks. Styles takes the pen and writes, in large, sloppy writing at the top of the page, four letters. Four letters that Lydia has not seen in years. M-A-S-H. No, she whispers. Styles, no. We are not playing MASH. Aw, oh, come on, he argues. You used to love this game in elementary school. I cried whenever I didn't get Mansion. Okay, maybe I liked it. Whatever, one of us liked it. And we are, after all... Two interchangeable human beings. Two peas, he says, writing down the different categories. Of one, nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. The answer was mine, genius girl. Did you just write down Severus Snape under husband? You know I did, he says, cheeky. Fine, then give me someone good, she says. He writes down Bill Nye the Science Guy in block letters. Styles! Fine, he says. Fine. I'll give you what you want. Pointedly, he puts the pen against the paper and writes Justin Timberlake, dotting the I with a heart. I hate you, Lydia mutters flatly. What? Styles asks under his breath, smiling impishly. You don't like old JT anymore? Literally, go fall in a hole. Just pick my last prospect so we can get this over with. Okay, he says writing his own name down under Justin Timberlake's. You're welcome. She is briefly stunned into silence as she stares at the page. It takes a lot to knock Lydia Martin off her feet, but it's safe to say that she's there as she turns to look at Styles incredulously. In any other situation, she would sarcastically ask if this was a proposal, but he's looking innocently up at the altar, where Isaac is stuttering his way through his vows, looking like he's so happy he's about to cry. Scott is staring at Izzy, seeming almost as overwhelmed as the groom. You want to put yourself in this against Justin Timberlake? Only because whatever happens in MASH actually has to happen in real life, Styles deadpans. Only because of that. Just give me a good job. Why? If you end up married to Bill Nye, you'll for sure be a trophy wife. No work for you. 
Right, but Snape has a professor's salary, and I am used to a certain standard of living. You work for a university. Magical education is free, so Hogwarts probably doesn't pay that much, and... Izzy leans over to them. Don't forget that Hogwarts probably has a lot of really wealthy alum, though, because basically the entire Ministry of Magic went there. They blink at her. Also, your banter is cutting into my ability to listen to Isaac's vows. Sorry, Stiles says, not sounding very sorry. We will play mash in silence. Izzy frowns. We will play mash not at all and listen only to Isaac blubbering about his love for Gabrielle. Better, allows Izzy, settling back into her chair. They don't speak again until Isaac has kissed the bride and the small crowd of people is cheering on the two of them on as they clasp hands and rush back up the aisle together. Wow, Stiles says, applauding still. What a sappy-ass wedding. Izzy gives him a sternly annoyed look as Scott approaches her and kisses her, smiling against her lips. Oh, tongue. Just what I like to see. Shut up, Scott says, clapping him on the back. How is the flight? No, dude, where's my tongue? Scott's eyes flit over to Lydia. Don't even make that joke, she warns, holding up a hand to stop him. Styles smirks. Nice one, Scotty. How do you stand it? Lydia asks, directing the question towards Izzy. I lean into the skid, she says, looping her arm around Lydia's and tugging her toward the exit. So, Lydia, tell me more about your research. Do you know a lot about physics? Izzy's smile doesn't leave her face. Nothing at all. Tell me more. They talk all the way to the reception, chattering over the central center console while the boys sit together in the back seat, seeming to need to catch up despite the fact that Styles' job is barely two hours away and, according to Izzy, they Skype every day. As Styles recites what he'd had for lunch the previous day, Lydia tries to explain her job the best she can. Izzy asks questions that are surprisingly insightful, and Lydia finds herself enjoying it. Which doesn't, of course, stop her from feeling Styles' eyes on her. Constantly. He's sitting behind the driver's side, eyes flicking over to her randomly, and Lydia tries to distract herself by adjusting the skirt on her purple cocktail dress, smoothing her hands where the hem rests above her knees. When she looks back over at him, his eyes are on her legs, where her black nails are curled into her fists, digging into her palms. It's a good thing that Izzy has been babbling on about some detail regarding hers and Scott's wedding, because Lydia doesn't think she can focus on anything but styles right now. The air seems to be heady with his aftershave, which she can smell too well in the confined space of the car. Normally that would be a bad thing, but it's not overpowering. Or maybe she just hasn't smelled him in more than a year. Maybe she just misses him. Missed the warmth of his body under hers and his hands on her and his mouth and, yes, his scent. By the time they pull up to the reception hall, Lydia is so high-strung, she thinks she could snap from a light breeze. As she fumbles for her purse, Styles jumps out of the car and opens the door for her. She thinks he's being polite, but then there's this brief moment where his hand is on her ass as he guides her out of the car, and there's a smirk on his face that reminds her irresistibly of the time he'd gone down on her, and Lydia suddenly wishes it that her nude heels were easier to walk in. She's been walking in heels for her entire life, but that doesn't mean she's preparing to do so with Styles Stalinsky's stupid hand on her ass. Lydia stops walking so that she can whirl around and meet his eyes. She presses a hand against his chest, tilting her head back so that she can look at, look at him. Don't take this the wrong way, she says, but we have to get through this entire reception before we can head upstairs and have sex, so I need you to stop looking at me like... 
Like, like what? Styles challenges. Like, she takes in the soft eyes that are terribly mismatched with the confident grin he wears. Like that. This? That exact face you're making, right there. Styles straightens his features. This better? He inquires robotically. No, because he can't turn his eyes off and they are distracting her. Yes, Lydia says rigidly. Keep it that way. She turns around and stomps into the hotel, ignoring Styles' laughter as he follows behind her. The reception hall is already filled to the brim with relatives of Isaac's new wife, all of whom are currently swarming around the bar. Lydia finds her name card at the same table as Styles' and plops down into a chair, wanting to avoid the swarm. It's a small but pretty hotel, and Lydia can't help but think that the only reason the wedding party is so tiny is because Isaac had been forced to build his family from scratch. Scott is out with the wedding party, taking pictures, and Izzy is hovering over Lydia's shoulder, assessing the situation they're in. Brayden stands in a corner, talking to Chris Argent. From her hand gestures, Lydia strongly suspects that they are discussing guns. Gang's all here, huh? Styles says, but the lack of warmth in his voice tells her that he is thinking about exactly who isn't here. She doesn't know why they have to do this at every single wedding, but then she suspects that these silly little dances and pretty dresses wouldn't mean anything if they didn't realize how lucky they were to be alive enough to attend them. You want a drink? Styles asks, wrinkling his nose when he sees the line by the bar. I think I'll brave it. Whatever you're having is fine, Lydia replies. And be sure to use those bony elbows to knock down the elderly. That always works. Hey, don't underestimate the elbows, Izzy warns as Styles vanishes into the crowd, middle finger surreptitiously sticking up towards Lydia. They've gotten us to the front of multiple concerts. Oh, right, Lydia says, snapping her fingers. That reminds me. How was Taylor Swift? Did Scott cry? Izzy pulls a face. Wildest dreams gets him every time. Thought so. Honestly, Styles isn't much better. Oh, I never claimed he would be. He's living wedding to wedding, you know, Izzy says abruptly, scrutinizing Lydia carefully for her reaction. He doesn't date in between. He's a busy man. That's not why he doesn't have girlfriends. Izzy. But you have boyfriends. I do. And he has to see pictures of you two on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or wherever they are. And he has to shut up about it because he doesn't feel like he's allowed to be jealous. But he's been shutting up for years. And I'm worried that one day he's just going to snap and it's not going to be in the right direction. I think about that too. And you always seem to break up with those men right before you see Styles, Like James. Three weeks ago. Lydia swallows. So? So, are you breaking up with them for the weddings? For Styles? Izzy's spot-on accusations are mercifully cut off when Styles finds his way back to their table, two cosmos in hand. I haven't had one of these in forever, he says, smacking his lips. Thanks, Carrie Bradshaw, Lydia says flatly, taking a sip. She hopes that the tremor in her voice doesn't betray how shaken up Izzy's words have made her. You're welcome, Styles says, tilting his glass towards her. Always happy to be of service. Scott reappears before Lydia can make a joke about better ways Styles can be of service to her, which is probably, if she really thinks about it, for the best. Our table's over there, he says, grabbing Izzy's hand and kissing her wrist. 
Her engagement ring glints as he does so, nearly blinding Styles when Scott lowers the hand again. See you guys later. Bye, Lydia says, twiddling her fingers at Scott. For the first time, she turns back to their table, noticing who they're sitting with. She swears under her breath, which Styles naturally takes as an invitation to lean forward and say, What? Lydia lifts her eyes slowly to the ceiling before responding, We are at the singles table. He looks around at the other people, for the first time noticing the fact that Derek, Brayden, and Chris Argent are seated across the room. Aw, shit. Isaac and his wife burst into the room to great applause, but Styles ignores this as he takes a long drag from his Cosmo. Are we getting too old to sit at the singles table? Styles wonders out loud. I have a PhD, Lydia says, and you are licensed to practice law. So, yes. Just checking. As dinner begins to get served, more people in their early 20s flock to their table, and Styles and Lydia spend most of the dinner creating random backstories for Gabrielle's various relatives. They manage to make it about 30 minutes into the meal before anybody at the table even bothers to pay attention to them. Unfortunately, bliss can't last forever. Whereabouts are you two from? asks one girl, smiling brightly. She looks like she just got her braces off. Lydia quirks an eyebrow. Um, we grew up with Isaac in Beacon Hills. That place is on the news a lot, one boy says, frowning. I remember being in middle school and hearing about this girl that wandered naked around the woods for two days straight. Lydia's heart begins thumping in her throat. She glances over at Styles, alarmed, but he shakes his head almost imperceptibly and plasters a fake, vacant smile on his face. I lived two towns over, says one of the kids, taking a sip of her drink. Lydia isn't even sure if she's old enough to be drinking. I remember my mom telling my older sister that she thought there was some sort of drug epidemic going on. She thought that the girl was on some crazy shit. Styles gently places his right hand on Lydia's bare knee, soothing his thumb across it. Whenever Beacon Hills had a curfew, we had a curfew, recalls one kid. It was way annoying. And the school was always getting destroyed. They spent so much of the taxpayers' money constantly rebuilding that place. My parents got pissed. People were always dying. Yeah, that place was totally fucked up. Styles' hand moves up on Lydia's leg, rubbing circles over her thigh. She slows her breathing carefully, trying not to make it too obvious that everything they've been saying is triggering her. His eyes keep flicking over to her to make sure she's okay, but Lydia just squares her jaw and concentrates on keeping her eyes from welling up. So, what's your major? Styles asks the girl seated across from him, effectively interrupting everything that everybody else is saying about Beacon Hills. She jumps at being addressed so directly, but when Lydia offers her an encouraging smile that feels painfully ingenuine, the girl launches into a discussion about her business major and what she wants to do with it. This sparks a discussion about how useful majors can be when you never actually end up doing what you want to do, and pretty soon the entire table is lamenting about their mountains of student loans. Lydia's body seems to unwind slightly as they move completely away from Beacon Hills. She's almost calmed herself down by the time his hand has moved all the way up her thigh. It happens so slowly that Lydia barely notices at first, but suddenly he's rubbing circles over her skin, and she thinks about how that would feel if he just moved over a few inches. When Styles moves his hand as close to the inside of her thigh as he can and lightly presses down, Lydia spreads her legs without even thinking about it. Immediately, the teasing circles begin again. A glance down tells her that they are totally covered by the white tablecloth that is draped over the table and by the close quarters of the table. When she turns her head towards Styles, he is looking at one of the guys and nodding as though he is actually interested in what he is saying. 
In actuality, he is rubbing circles on Lydia's clit over her panties. She scoots up in her seat, wondering if he's actually going to do this. A small smile ghosts across Dallas's lips, and okay, this is happening if she wants it to. Lydia raises her eyebrows and ducks her head down, smiling at the table. Styles pushes the material of her thong aside and dips a finger inside of her, answering a comment about the current state of the economy as he does so. Lydia bites her bottom lip as he makes slow circles on her clit with his thumb, nodding at his conversation partner all the while. When he cuts his eyes over at Lydia and jerks his head to the side slightly, she takes this as her cue to move her leg over, draping it over his under the table. He holds her there with his left hand, never breaking conversation. He's just speeding up his movements when someone cuts through Lydia's haze. Lydia, what do you think? She looks up from the table with eyes that are probably too bright and cheeks that are too flushed. Yeah, actually interested in finding that out myself, Styles puts in, applying more pressure with his thumb. Lydia contemplates killing him when he grabs his fork and lifts a piece of steak into his mouth, chewing as he stares at her, waiting for her to respond. I really disagree with Styles, she says. I think he sounds like he's just spitting out random newspaper articles instead of actually doing any research and forming an opinion for himself. Do you know? Styles questions, stopping his movements on her clit. Lydia swallows. I do. Styles pulls his fingers out, tapping them lightly against her inner thigh. Are you sure about that? She swallows, hard, glares at him. He smiles calmly at her. No, she says. I'm not sure. Styles doesn't go back to what he's doing, and Lydia almost groans out loud. She could probably go to the bathroom and get herself off, but her fingers aren't nearly as long or as calloused as Styles's, and why would she bother with them when he's right there? Styles is probably right, she says emotionlessly. He puts one finger back inside of her. He does very thorough research. Another finger. Lydia's eyes shoot fire at him, but Styles just hums lowly and smiles. Thank you, Lydia, he says. When the others turn away, he finally puts his thumb back on her clit. If anybody else talks to Lydia for the next two minutes, she doesn't notice. Lydia concentrates on focusing all of her shaking to her thighs, which are trembling around Styles' wrist. She thinks she might be sweating, and she definitely might be a bit red, but she knows for a fact that she has her face under control except for the small crease between her brows. The biggest challenge is keeping her mouth shut, which she barely manages to do. When she feels herself start to clench around Styles' fingers, she turns her head towards his, meeting his eyes. She's startled to find that he's already been watching her, and his eyes are darker than usual. When she meets his gaze, he crooks his finger just right, and that's when she finally comes around him, her knuckles turning white as she clamps her hands around his arm and holds on to it with a vice-like grip. As her hold on him finally relaxes, Styles slowly moves his wrist away from her, pushing a glass of water towards her with his left hand. Under the table, he wipes his index and middle fingers on a cloth napkin. And when Lydia sets her water glass on the table after draining the entire thing, he's got his elbow on the table and is sucking her wetness off of his thumb under the pretense of fighting, biting his thumbnail. And she has to admit, God, he's good. Under the table, Lydia finds Styles' hand and squeezes. When she tries to pull away, he hangs on tight, offering her a small guilty shrug when she gives him a questioning look. Lydia holds on tighter. Eventually, everybody starts dancing, and they get the table to themselves. It would make more sense to get up and dance with everybody else, but due to some unspoken agreement, Styles and Lydia remain at the table, playing tic-tac-toe on Lydia's open palm and making the occasional comment about Scott McCall's smooth dance moves. 
His wedding is in four months, Stylus says quietly. Lydia sighs. Don't remind me. I have to take the flight all over again then. I think Izzy is going to ask you to be a bridesmaid, mentions Stiles, drawing an O on the corner of Lydia's hand with his index finger. Lydia raises her eyebrows in surprise. I barely know her. It's for Scott. Then I'll say yes. Stiles smiles. Good. They're silent as Lydia draws an X on her palm, effectively winning the game. I missed you, she says, staring at her own hand. After Derek's wedding? I miss you a lot. Yeah? Mm Mm-hmm. He looks very satisfied with himself. I miss you too. And I was thinking that... That maybe we don't have to have radio silence between weddings? No? You walked into the room earlier today, late, I might add, and I think... I think I would have known you were there even if I hadn't seen you. She looks up at him. He doesn't seem like he doesn't believe her. He's just listening. I think that matters. Of course it does. His eyelids are fluttering closed as he leans towards her, moves closer. As Stiles' lips land on Lydia's, she realizes that he hadn't gotten off earlier. She kisses him harder, opening her mouth and drawing him into her, fingers dragging him closer by winding into his hair. But Stiles just pulls back and beams at her, something peaceful resonating through his eyes. Do you want to go upstairs? Lydia asks, bringing her hand around to cup his cheek. He leans into her and kisses the corner of her palm where he had been drawing X's and O's just minutes before. Nah, he says, shaking, 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 his, shaking his head. I want to dance with you. Lydia laughs. You, you do? He nods. Yeah. She feels emotion begin to strum through her as she looks at this man, somehow so open with her despite the fact that she has given him nothing, offered him nothing, much less the honesty that he deserves. Claiming him should be the easiest thing she's ever done, but the fact that she had just offered him sex and he had asked for a dance first makes it so much harder. She's not walking into anything with Stiles Stalinsky until she knows that it is the final page of this book. She's not going to start something unless she's certain that it's the beginning of the sequel. She's not going to do that to him. For now, all that she can give him is a dance. Dance.